You're listening to Above the Bar Copy, a podcast for female-led business owners who want to break the rules, go beyond the usual marketing trends, and create fire sales copy that builds relationships, generates leads, and leaves a lasting, positive impact on their clients. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Above the Bar Coffee podcast. I am so excited for our guest today. It is my friend, Chelsea Newmeyer. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you. Everyone listening, you might not know, but Chelsea and I were in a group coaching program together. Um, and Chelsea's now a coach in that program as well. We'll get into maybe more of that. But we got to visit on calls like once a week, but it's been a while since we've seen each other. So I just feel so excited that she's here and to visit her. So Chelsea, can you tell us, um, tell our listeners, I guess, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, your story, who you are, what you do, and your journey of getting your business to where it's at today? Absolutely. I love love digging in because I always am so fascinated by other people's stories. So as many of the listeners probably became an entrepreneur, not on purpose, right? I never thought that this was going to be the career path for me, but absolutely love it. I've always been a time management and productivity nerd. Like I was that kid who in middle school, like loved the like scratchy top, you know, notepads or planners that they gave you at the beginning of the year. So it just became something that was very natural to me. Very, it's like something that I always kind of just worked into my day to day life. And you know, as a high school, I was like that, just like again, that nerdy kid is just what I did. When I got to college, I actually went to school for biomedical engineering, so that's what my degree is in. So I was just surrounded by people who were all absolutely brilliant, but also like had to be really good with time management and productivity. Like we had a lot to do, and we had to figure out how to get it done. So I learned a ton from them, and I learned a ton from that experience, even though I was never actually an engineer. When I got into the workforce. As in the nonprofit space, um, I've spent the last decade of my career in the nonprofit world. That's when I started to realize that the time management and productivity piece, it's not natural. It's not something that everybody's good at. It's something that it's not intuitive to everybody. And so I became that like go-to person in the office for sometimes just like little tips and tricks, like how do I make my emails just a little bit more efficient or how do I do this thing and excel faster, right? Like just kind of that go-to person, but also really good at project management, right? Like I could see the big goal and then break it down into the smallest possible steps and help everybody stay on track. And so that's where I started to notice that people needed help with this and that they were coming to me to ask for it. So when the pandemic hit and I had, you know, 30 minutes of extra time in my day from not commuting, that's when I could really sit down and form my business and make it something official that I did to support nonprofit leaders and other entrepreneurs. Because it's one thing to be really good at your craft. And like, I am blessed with work with so many people who are just absolutely brilliant at what they do. But they're just, they haven't taken that extra moment to think about how they're planning their day, how they're thinking about their week. And they're just kind of like diving in and they're getting a lot done. They're highly effective, but not necessarily the most efficient. And so then they end up feeling very scrambled and stressed out. So I get to help them rein it all back in and feel more in control of their time. Personally, my fun fact is always that I currently live on Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba. My husband's in the Navy. So I have this like weird part of my life that I absolutely love. So that's a lot of fun too. That's so cool. Thank you so much. I love your story. I love hearing how you were, like you said, you're kind of working at your job and you're noticing 
okay, wait, with productivity and time management and procrastination, which we're going to get into, you're noticing like, wait, people need help with this and I can help. And you just kind of this natural flow into business, which is so cool, right? Yeah. And I'm definitely one of those people who like, as you're talking, I'm like nodding my head because I will just dive in. And my week is very full and it is very busy, but I will get to the end of it and be like, okay, I think I could have handled that better. So that's why I'm excited to visit with you. So yeah, how long have you guys been in Cuba and or how long do you plan on staying there? I guess that's one personal question before we move on. Yeah, so we've been, we're recording this the, towards the end of March. We've been here a little over a year and we have at least another year and a half left. We might end up extending a year. We're going to, you know, it's, it's the military, so that nothing is predictable or for sure. But it's been a pretty incredible experience. I always joke, though, that just to be very clear, for all intents and purposes, we are a suburb of Florida. We don't get to go into Cuba at all. There's no Cuban culture. Like, there's not even a place to get a Cuban sandwich on this base, you know? So (laughs) that's very unfortunate. But I do get the beautiful weather and the beaches and the beautiful scenery from Cuba. Wow, that's such a cool experience. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I'm so excited to talk to you about today is procrastination. I think that's a beautiful place for us to start. So can you kind of tell us, I mean, I know everyone knows what procrastination means, but maybe not. Maybe we just assume we're doing it or we, we're doing it and we don't actually know we are. So can you kind of tell us like, what is procrastination? How can we identify within our business and our schedule and our time? that, oh yeah, I am procrastinating. (laughs) Such a good question. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I always start the topic about procrastination is that it is different than being lazy. Procrastinating is different than lazy. So when someone's being lazy, it means they're not willing to exert the effort to get that thing done. They just, they don't care to get up and go do the dishes to pick on that for example, right? Procrastination is you want that thing done. You care deeply that you meet that goal or that you accomplish that task. There's just something blocking you. There's just something in the way of you being able to get it done. You're willing to exert the effort. Something's causing friction there. So just to be very clear about that, I also encourage people to stop calling themselves procrastinators. It doesn't need to be an identity. You're just procrastinating. And when I talk through why that happens, you'll see it is very human. It is very normal. And as long as we can backtrack a little bit and understand what's causing the procrastination, what's the root there? It's fairly easy to get over it. It's fairly easy to overcome and that friction and get back to work. So I'll say that I talk about six different reasons that people procrastinate. I'll go through them really quickly. But the first one is abstract goals. And that's when you don't quite understand the big vision that you're trying to reach for. So I always pick on the example of starting a podcast. Like that's a big goal. And there's a lot of questions you have to answer in order to achieve that goal. So you may be procrastinating starting a podcast because you haven't decided what the topic's going to be about. Are you going to post one week or two? Or what platform should you use to host the podcast, right? There's a lot of things we got to think about. So abstract goals is one of the big reasons that people tend to procrastinate. Another one is indecisiveness. This masks as research quite often. So if you are someone who will spend a lot of time researching quote, quote, the best platform to host that podcast, you may actually just be procrastinating the decision and like, just make a decision. Very few things in life can not be undone, right? So if you find yourself researching more than you think you should be, you're probably just, just procrastinating. 
waiting for a deadline is requiring that additional pressure. That's kind of what we think about in like the classic terms of procrastination. I used to tutor high school students and everybody has a threshold for how close to a deadline they can get before they start feeling stressed. Teenage boys, man, their threshold is mere moments before (laughs) that deadline, before they're like, oh crap, I should work on this. So some people it's two weeks out. Some people it's two hours before. I don't necessarily think this is a bad one. We just have to put safeguards in place because if that threshold for you is two hours before the deadline and then your computer decides to die, you are now going to miss that deadline. So we just have to put some buffers and artificial deadlines and just some safeguards in place if you need that pressure because that pressure can be important. It helps us focus. Oftentimes it helps us ignore distraction. So not necessarily a bad thing. Task conversion is often I see in entrepreneurship as well. You just don't like it, right? So if you are standing, you're a really good copywriter, you love copywriting, but you absolutely hate any kind of the financial side of your business, right? You may be procrastinating looking at the financials. So we just don't like the task. You know it is important. You want to get them organized, but if you don't particularly enjoy it, it can be harder to get started. The last two are fear of failure and perfectionism. I call them close cousins because they will often manifest in very similar ways. Fear of failure is that fear of embarrassment or repercussions. Again, this is really hard as entrepreneurs because we are the face of our business. We have to put ourselves out there. We have to launch our products and services. And when things are in the public eye, they're open for criticism and critique. So that fear of failure is very real. Similarly with perfectionism. So that's wanting or waiting for the end result to be perfect, constantly tweaking or adjusting or changing and thinking that it's going to get better with just more time before we launch it out. And we all know that nothing is ever perfect. And we have to just, you know, build the plane as it's flying sometimes, right? And launch it dirty. So those tend to be the six reasons why people are procrastinating. And again, if you are recognizing you're procrastinating, you can go back and ask yourself, why am I procrastinating? Which of these things, sometimes they overlap, then we can talk, you know, a little bit about how to overcome. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I love how you said that, you know, you're not a procrastinator, you're procrastinating. Because I think it's so easy to wear that identity of, yeah, I'm a procrastinator. I just wait to the last minute. This is just how I am. Even though you don't want to be that way, you kind of can settle for thinking like, this is just how I am. But if we dig deeper, it's like, no, this isn't who you are. It's just this thing you're doing and we we can cast it. So life is less stressful. It's so good. These reasons are so incredible. I would love to go back into them if you you can Mm -hmm. kind of talk about. So like the first one is, uh, like you mentioned, one reason you might be procrastinating is your goal is like huge and and very abstract and you don't even know like what to do or how to start. So if you want to, I'd love to dive into some like solutions or like what you can do instead starting with that. Absolutely. So when you have a big goal like that, so again, I always kind of pick on the podcast example, really comes down to breaking down that task, breaking down that goal into the smallest possible piece. So when we are creating our plan for the day or for the week or for the quarter, whatever that may be, Start a podcast is not the task you want on there. That's not the goal you want on there, right? You want decide the platform, decide the name. We want really actionable items that have definitive beginning and end so that you feel good crossing them off and you know what success looks like when you've crossed them off. Sometimes it's just a matter of taking a moment to brain dump all of the things that you can think about that's going to go into that particular project. So if you're launching a new offer, take some time before you do anything else, 
just brainstorm it. Think about all of the pieces that you're going to need to put in place in order to get that offer prepared. You're going to need a sales page. You're going to need to decide what platform are you hosting it on? How many people can you take? What's the price going to be, right? I can rattle off dozens of tasks, but that feels so much more actionable than, oh my gosh, I got to launch an offer, but I don't know what the offer is going to be. And then you're just sitting in that, I don't know space. So that's definitely like the key solution (laughs) if you find yourself procrastinating for that reason. That's so good. I could see that because it's so easy to come up with the big goal. Like I want to launch a podcast. I want to launch this big offer. But then you're really, if you're not reverse engineering it, like you're talking about and setting, it feels just so much more doable to have like, okay, I'm going to name my offer. That's my goal for this day or this week. And slowly it will build to the bigger thing. That seems so much, I feel relief when I hear you explain it that way. Good, good. That's my goal. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So what about indecisiveness? So one reason you could be procrastinating, like you said, is you're spending a lot of time in research. You just cannot decide between A or B. What can we do about spinning out in that indecision? I would set a boundary for yourself. So I tend to use like the five minute rule. The five minute rule, I, I think about in two different ways. For the purpose of this solution, set a five minute, it doesn't have to be five minutes, set a 10 minute timer, 30 minute timer, whatever feels good for you. And then you get to research for that amount of time. And then you're going to make a decision. If you need more than that, you can make a quick little decision matrix, right? Like what are the key features are you that are, you're looking into? How important are those features? And where does each of your options rank in terms of that? As someone who likes strategy, I could really dig into that and waste a whole lot of time creating a decision matrix. So again, we want to be thoughtful and not derail us even further. But just think about, okay, what's the most... If you're picking a new platform to host your podcast, for example, if price is most important, then we know, okay, I'm going to go with the least expensive option that still gives me XYZ. If we know that you really, really, really anticipate growing your podcast and you want to get sponsors and ads and really make money off of this opportunity then that's going to be the most important consideration. So it's really just, again, figure out what's the priority in that decision and rank after that, but always with the time limit. Yeah, I need that because when I'm making a decision, I will say like, oh, by the end of the month, maybe. And then the end of the month comes and I don't really know. So to have like a timer, set it and you can just make the decision and you can always go back and make it right, right? It's not like the next right step. It's just the next step. Yeah, exactly. And trust yourself, right? Like you have trust your instincts, trust that you've made the decisions in the past. And like I said, very few things cannot be undone, right? Like worst case scenario. Yes, it's annoying to waste a little bit of time and money, but that's all that it is. It's just a little time and money if you have to change it later. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay, so what about deadlines? You mentioned some people have, you know, like can get to two hours before the call and uh, or before the deadline before they before they feel like panicky. So talk to me more about like deadlines and procrastinating and how you can set good deadlines for yourself and stop procrastinating by waiting for the deadline. So for me, it's really about setting those artificial deadlines. So if you know something's due for a client, on first of all, I never recommend Friday deadlines. Just as a rule, no one looks at anything on a Friday anyway. And that way, if something does go terribly wrong, you at least have the weekend to potentially catch up on it. So I just made that a rule for myself. It's Monday deadline at the earliest, right? You get to set your own deadlines. Give yourself buffer. I used to be one of those people who's like, yeah, I'll get that to you by the end of the day. And then I'm just stressed out and frazzled because something else comes up and can't anticipate. You know, We can plan, but we can't anticipate how our day is going to go. So give yourself some extra buffer. And then set checkpoints. 
for yourself along the way. So whether that's, again, if it is due Monday, your goal is to have it done by Friday because you don't want to work on it over the weekend or your goal is to have it done Thursday so that you can walk away and review it again on Friday to check for any last mistakes or errors along the way. And this goes back to breaking things down into their smallest possible pieces that if you have that big goal, give yourself deadlines, give yourself checkpoints, have a weekly meeting with yourself. Where am I on this project? Do I have a really busy week coming up? What can I adjust? And if we're thinking about the big picture, it's much easier to accommodate those kinds of things. The other really fun trick that you can do with this one is work in like power hours. So set a timer for yourself to work for 20 to 50 minutes is really the 50 minutes is kind of like the max, I would say. Get a 50 minute sprint in, take a 10 minute break and see how much you can get. You, You can blow your mind with how much you can get done in 50 minutes if you truly are distraction free. So that's another strategy there. This is so good. I needed to hear all this. <laughs> I've even been thinking too about or learning more about even putting like that buffer you were talking about in contracts with clients too. And I suppose depending on what service you offer, but seeing like, you know, our deadline is April 15th. However, I give myself a five day buffer for whatever, you know, in case of snow days or that's something that comes up for me a lot or whatever. So having like the deadline and then your buffer deadline in place has been really helpful for me too. So yes. that's awesome. Is writing to your email list that giant should be doing that never actually gets done? It's time to stop wondering if email will work for you because it will and start doubling your Instagram sales with emails your clients love to read and that don't stress you the F out to create. <laughs> Enter not your mama's newsletters. This is a lifetime access email newsletter template membership. Here's how it works. At the top of every single month, you are going to get four email newsletter templates that you can customize for your business. Simply plug in your offer details into the framework and send the email. It's that easy. Every single template gives you five subject lines to choose from, your call to action, your goal, your prompt, an example that you can look at, and a full Mad Lib style fill in the blank email newsletter template that converts. These are just templates that talk about your favorite things or your hobbies. These are templates meant to bring in sales, meant to build relationships, meant to grow your email community. On top of that, every single quarter, you're gonna get a new email newsletter sequence template. So far, we have Black Friday email sequences, welcome sequences, abandoned cart email sequences, list scrubbing sequences, and the list goes on. Again, not your mama's newsletters. You get four email newsletter templates every single month that you can customize for your business and a new email sequence template every single quarter. It's a one-time investment of $2.97 and you get lifetime access to the membership. There's no reoccurring fees, no hidden or additional fees. It's a one-time investment and you get lifetime access to all past, current, and upcoming templates. Right now, we have a year's worth of templates already built up inside the membership. So the minute you join, you have access to all of those, plus all the reoccurring templates we're making right now and releasing every single month and all the future templates that we will release. It's called Not Your Mama's Newsletters. The link is in the show notes and I hope to see you there. Okay, what about task aversion? This one comes up for me a lot. If I have something I know I should be doing, but I don't really want to do it and then I just tell myself I don't get to it, but I'm really just not doing it. I'm just filling my time with other things on purpose. (laughs) Yep. Yep. This is a good one because this absolutely manifests in so many ways. We see this all the time. Just make it honestly, it's making it fun. What can you pair with that task? 
that you enjoy doing. So prepping a really fun playlist to listen to while you work, only listening to a certain podcast while you're doing the dishes. Or for me, I don't watch a lot of TV, not because I'm too good for for TV, but just because I would rather be reading or working or something. But the shows that I do want to watch, I watch them while I fold my laundry, while I do the dishes, right? So I've made those tasks more enjoyable for myself. So anywhere you can make those difficult tasks fun, I would recommend doing it. For example, if you really need to dig into your finances, maybe you do that with a friend and you guys jump on a Zoom call together and say, okay, we're going to take this hour to work independently and chit chat and go through our finances. It could be something as simple as that. That's so good. I needed that because I think jumping into business, you do feel like this need to grind and and hustle and glue yourself to your desk. And I'm at the point now where it's like, I also want to really savor and enjoy my work. Mm -hmm. And this is so good. That reminds me of the tip when I would homeschool my daughters and a teacher would tell me when you do math, pair it with brownies and it'll make the math so much better. So this reminds me of like, if you're going to send out pitches, pair it with brownies, like you just make it a treat for yourself. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. What about fear of failure and perfectionism? I know they kind of go hand in hand. How can we recognize that in ourselves? I don't know if we often, even if it are we are afraid of failing or we are being perfectionists, how do we recognize that? And then what are some ways to overcome it? Yeah. So fear of failure and perfectionism, again, they are tied closely together and something I see so often with my entrepreneurial clients. Where we can recognize that happening is again, that constant tweaking. If you're posting something and then you keep going back to it, so it's already out there. It is already out there. And you keep going back and rereading it and adjusting it or potentially even taking it down because it doesn't get the response you want in the time frame that you're looking for. That's when you can start saying like, okay, I'm probably stuck in this loop, right? I'm probably stuck in this cycle. And one is the first kind of more obvious answer is no one is paying more attention to your business than you. That's a tiny little spelling mistake you made. You are going to be the first person to notice that. Okay, so that's the first thing I always say. The second one is think about all of the people in the space you admire. If they made a mistake like that in their copy, in their post, in a tech glitch that happened, would you think less of them? Would you unfollow them? Would you remove yourself from their world? Probably not because we're all human and that's just real life. So those are two ways that I reassure myself that If I'm getting nervous or I'm feeling that some of that anxiety come around from posting something or launching something, really what's the worst that's going to happen, right? To help me move past that, I typically recommend really visualizing or identifying the why. So visualizing is, it sounds a little woo, but it can really help if you're nervous. Like think about the dream life you want. Why, Why did you start your business? What is this offer going to do for the people you want to serve? Like think of that bigger picture. And then you'll realize that missing that one email that one week, probably not going to make it break you, right? Accidentally sending the email to the wrong list, not going to change the impact that your program is going to have on the people you want to serve. So that's one big thing. Think about that big picture, visualize the result that you were trying to deliver, and then always going back to your why. Okay, so why did you start this business? You started this business to grow and to learn. No one is an expert in entrepreneurship until you've been an entrepreneur. So You've got to work through these kinks. You've got to work through these challenges and you may or may not ever make it again, right? Hopefully the goal is that we don't make the same mistake twice. So you have to make the mistake the first time and it's going to be okay because the bigger why is you're learning, you're growing, you're giving yourself time freedom, you're giving yourself financial freedom and you're providing for your family and the life that you dream of. It's bigger than the one email or the one spelling mistake. 
I love that. So it's really like fear of failure to combat it. And procrastination is like permission to fail and know that mm -hmm. we all fail. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. I needed that too. Okay. So I feel like procrastination ties in a lot with time management and calendar management. And I know you've given us a lot of like incredible tips and pieces of advice to get started to manage our time better and kind of overcome procrastination and recognize it. So I wonder if we could shift gears a little bit and talk just more in depth about that, about just how your advice, I guess, or your perspective on managing your calendar to be the most productive without burning yourself out. Like what are some tricks or I guess just hacks that you teach your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So this is really where like the rubber beats the road, right? Because that's one thing to like have all these philosophical ideas, but to actually in the day-to-day -day practice of it, procrastination can often look like, I call it productive procrastination or procrastinate planning. If we don't get ahead of both of those, that's where we can get really derailed. So productive procrastination is essentially busy work. That's when you are reorganizing your desk because you don't want to write <laughs> the new sales page. It feels good. It feels productive. But at the end of the day, it's not helping you reach your goal. And then procrastinate planning is my personal favorite. And that's when we over-strategize. We rewrite the to-do list or we plan out you know, all the steps for the next six months in advance, but don't actually execute on what we need to accomplish. So the day-to-day -day work helps us prevent those moves, right? It makes those choices much more obvious. So my best advice for when you're planning your week are two top tips here. The first is always try to plan the day or night before. I heard a great tip that was actually, I always say like the night before, but I really mean it's at the end of your work day. But some people I know will actually plan it. They'll plan the day the next day, like two to three hours before their end of their work day, because then it gives them permission to say, okay, I'm actually not going to get to this today, but it'll be first thing priority tomorrow. And it just gives them that permission instead of trying to scramble at the end of the day. But just have that plan in place. Look at your calendar. Look at the following day. What needs to be prepared? And then give yourself three to five most important things that you have to get done. I say that knowing you are going to accomplish more than five things, right? We are all pretty effective, productive people. But if we start with 10 and then you get a client call, you get an email, something gets rescheduled, you're like, we end up with a lot. Versus if we start with three to five and we end up with 10, we could probably feel more accomplished. We want to feel that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day by getting those most important things done. The other thing is, as you're thinking about your calendar, think about energy management throughout the day. So I always give the example that I am one, not a morning person, and I am a highly extroverted person. So my ideal day is a later start in the morning full of meetings. It's a low energy lift for me because I'm not like writing content. I'm not strategizing anything. I get energized by people. So I'm getting energized by those meetings and the people and the conversations that I'm having. It's not a big lift for me mentally. Then I have lunch. So I reset. I go tidy up something. I come back to my desk at one and I can crank out the afternoon if I have an uninterrupted afternoon. But it took me a long time to realize that that's the best flow for me. And Oftentimes, we tend to be a little people pleasy. We tend to want to make it easier for everybody else. And so someone will say, Hey, can I meet with you at nine o'clock? If you're a morning person, you're most sharp in the morning. You're not available. Don't be available at nine o'clock. Don't give that time away to someone else. And it's not about being, I don't know, self important with your time, but it's really just about considering 
how your energy is going to go, how you're going to deliver the best value to your client, to your business, and to yourself so that you can manage that energy throughout the day. So it's really just a matter of being intentional with how we're scheduling things out on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Thank you so much for that. I definitely have not intentionally, but have felt the things you're talking about in my own schedule where I'm not super extroverted. And so I was noticing when I had calls every day, I was really like dreading the day. And I really love mornings for writing. And when I have calls in the mornings, they really drain me. And I feel like I cannot get anything else done for the day because I've just put all that, like my best energy for the day to the call. And then it just is weird. So I thank you for the permission to Find that energy and what works for you and your calendar and start there. Because I think that's something we don't give ourselves permission to do often enough. Yeah. Yeah. And we we want to be helpful and we want to be available. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not, I don't want to beat on anyone mm-hmm. for, for being accommodating, but just make sure that you're doing it intentionally, that we're not giving all of that time and energy and space away for no reason, right? Obviously, things happen. Obviously, we need to adjust. We've rescheduled this meeting like three times for various reasons, right? Like (laughs) Things come up. It's okay. But we also don't have to be apologetic about it. So one thing that I've stopped doing is if someone says, hey, can we meet at two o'clock today? If I'm not available, genuinely because I have a conflict or because I had already blocked that time to work on something that was important to me and my business, I just say, actually, I'm not available at that time. Can we meet at this time? I don't start that email with, I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. That's my time. I've already planned it out. I've already mapped it out. I give up their options. I come up with compromises and different strategies. And But I'm not sorry for holding space and holding my time because it's really valuable to me. Oh, good. So you plan your day like the day before. So kind of day by day basis, you'll say, okay, tomorrow, these are the three to five things that are most important for me to do. Do you also brain dump at the top of the week or have an overarching plan that those tasks fall under? I'm just kind of curious if there's any other ways those tie into your schedule beyond just day to day. Yeah, absolutely. So I love a good brain dump. I do that almost every week. Um, tends to be on Sunday nights. I do my kind of weekly planning Sundays. And that's when I'll do the big brain dump, but the brain dump does not become your to-do list. I just want to make sure that that's very clear because the brain dump will probably feel overwhelming. That is supposed to be a catch-all for everything. So I do the big brain dump. I'm such a paper pen person. I have to live by a digital calendar because I manage multiple calendars and they have to talk to each other, but I actually print out my calendar so then I can kind of fill in the blanks of (laughs) what I'm going to do within each of the blocks of time that I have. So I don't always do that every week. Sometimes I take it more day by day. It depends on how the week's going to go, but I do feel much better if I can look ahead at the whole week. So we have big brain dump. And then at the end of my work day, I'll look ahead and see what I have to get accomplished the next day. I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely making my brain dump my to-do list. So I need to think about that. <laughs> so thank it's, you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel like every, when I'm teaching this to someone, they get all like wide-eyed deer uh-huh. headlights at me because I mean, my brain dump list is terrifying to most people because it's, it's literally my life. It's my business. It's my nonprofit work. It's ideas that I have. It's for future projects that I'm going to be working on. It's just everything that's in my head out on a piece of paper because then I'm not distracted by it throughout the week. I trust that that information is captured somewhere. I don't have to rely on my memory. And if something comes up throughout the week that is more future facing or a plan or an idea or a project, then I can throw it onto my brain dump list. It doesn't become a task of my to-do list. It just gets put on my brain dump list. 
Gosh, Chelsea, this has been so incredible. Thank you for sharing just your knowledge and your advice with us. I know listeners are going to want to follow you and keep learning from you. I love to follow and learn from you. I love your emails, your Instagram. So tell people where they can go to keep learning. Yeah, I love to connect with people on Instagram. And so my Instagram is at Chelsea N Coaching. That's Chelsea with a Y. And then my website is just ChelseaNewmeyer.com. And so that's where you can see all of my all the different ways to work with me, but also some some tips and tricks that I've shared on there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll link to all that in the show notes, of course. So. Oh, and I also have a podcast, which I always forget to oh, talk about. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about it. My podcast is called From Overwhelmed to Under Control. Um, so that's another great way to stay in touch and, and learn more about me. I talk with people about their personal time management and productivity. So it's kind of fun to see how everybody does it a little bit differently. Thank you yeah. so much, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Above the Bar Copy. Every month I draw one winner who will get a free audit on a piece of copy of your choice. An email funnel, a sales page, a website page, you name it. I'll walk through it and send you a full video audit on the piece along with a Google Doc full of copy notes and suggestions you can implement. To enter this copy audit giveaway, leave a five-star positive review on the show and email me a screenshot of your review so I have your name and email and can notify you if you want. You can send that to hello at jennyrothcopywriting.com.